and we saw that Yirmiyahu considered Bnei Doiroi to be like the sus which is shaded from Milchama. We saw that last time that the way a horse acts in the battlefield is when it sees the tumult and it sees the, the, whole, the whole commotion of what's happening, so instead of retreating, it loses its head and it rushes straight into battle. Question. Yeah. When a person acts on the spur of the moment, acts with, impetuously without thinking, is like that horse. The horse which sees the battle and uh, gets frenzied by the tumult and by the noise and by the, uh, all the activity and uh, the pandemonium and runs straight into it. And that's Kulam Shabim Ritasam, they go with the way they're running, and that's the case that the basic mis- the basic lack of Zahiris. Zahiris means that a person has to be careful. And the basic, the first step of being careful is if you can see something which is dangerous, don't get into it. You can see something which is going to potentially cause harm, so then keep away. But if a person isn't doesn't have this mirror of Zahiris to an extreme, so then either of it, the, the very factors which are meant to be a warning sign to him the very factors which say, be careful, this is, that, that itself like, pulls him into it and instead of keeping him, making him keep his distance. Right. Now, why, why does Yirmiyahu consider his dar to be Nagur with this mitzvah? Why does Yirmiyahu consider that his dar had this problem and that they weren't, uh, they weren't paying attention to what, to what they were doing and what was causing them? And it's partial, because Yirmiyahu kept warning them again and again that the most thing you're doing, we're going to bring the Khurban. For years, for 40 years before the Khurban, Yirmiyahu was in Navi. And throughout, Yirmiyahu's Muslim to the Jewish people, Yirmiyahu's warning to them was, it's going to cause a Khurban. It's going to cause a Khurban. And Yirmiyahu warned them again, this time and again and time and again, it's going to cause a Khurban. And uh, what was Kaiswell's response? What was Kaiswell's response? Kilo, his time was not that they didn't agree with him, that they listened to what he said and thought about it and came to a different conclusion. His time was that they, they didn't pay attention to Mikha. They carried what they were doing, they completely ignored him. It was Kilo, they didn't notice, they didn't bother to think that there's going to be a, you know, there's a possibility even that what he was saying was right. And that's what he says. They were right They were running with within the, the way they ran by habit and the track they were going. Without giving themselves time to think about the, main, the, the, the what they were doing or the way they were going. And that's the, the, the main point he's trying to say. They fell into the raw. They fell into whatever mistakes they were, whatever evil happened to them, whatever punishment they got. Without even seeing it. And as it wasn't that it wasn't there. They didn't open their eyes to look. And therefore they ran straight into it. And had they had they listened to him and seen there's maybe a potential danger here, so they would have seen what he was talking about. And maybe they would have stopped. But if a person is in too much of a too much of a rush, is too is too busy to run to, to look what he's doing, so then we may he won't even see the pitfall he's going to fall into. And this is a point that's been very central to the, what the musician wants from the medicine here is said it three times already in the past People don't see. It's not about that a person made a cheshmer and thought it won't happen to me. 
that he saw it could be I'll, could be I'll suffer for this, could be I'll I'll, I'll, I'll be successful. I can weigh up the options. Uh, exactly the opposite. The mahalikh is that a person just doesn't even see it. He, he, he didn't realize the so to speak the role that was going to happen to him because he was he was he was too much primurutose into what he was doing to be cognizant of maybe it's going to cause maybe there's going to be a result, maybe it's going to cause damage, maybe I'm going to be punished for it. We find this in uh, Yeshaya also, the same, when even the door before that. When I'm not sure. Does it say that warned us that the pending thing and nothing made us do tshuva, like the removal of the, of the ring of Haman? Isn't this like a classic? It is. And we see, let's go to the Navi before us and say Yeshaya. And only that, he tells us this will happen to Kali Yisrael. And, and again, it's, it's one thing, when this is somebody... This is let's not talk about a navi. It's a much higher dare. Let's talk about the regular mashgiach in Yeshiv. But if let's say the mashgiach comes to Bach, it's listen, I can see what you're doing, and it's it's not going to end well. I can see the direction you're headed, and I know where it's going to end up, where you're going to land up. So maybe we should rethink, you know, some of the things you're doing. So it's one thing if the Bach is ready to listen, it's better to even think about it and rationalize. Say no, 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 whatever it is, I'm okay. I've made this plan or that idea, or I'm going to be careful of this. Wherever is it, something. But if you go up to someone and say, listen, I can see what you're doing, I'm warning you, I've got experience in this, I see where we're going to end up if we're going to go this route, and the person just ignores you. Absolutely. It doesn't, doesn't register what you're saying to him. He didn't say anything. That's how Klaus was treated the words of the Navi. It wasn't they came to argue with the Navi. They just didn't listen to them. They didn't, it didn't make any difference. One second. They, they didn't, they weren't, nothing. They obviously heard what he said, and they probably weren't stupid. What happened? What happened? Let's look at the words of the Navi. Let's look at the words of the Navi. <coughs> and the, the Navi Yeshaya, the door before, already tells Hashem, Hashmein Lev Amazeh. Hashmein. The Lev, the part of the people are covered with fat, which means they can't feel anymore. The Ozma Vachbeir, the end of a Shah. They've blocked their eyes, they've blocked their ears. Because otherwise, if they had their eyes and ears open and they'd be able to feel, then the Shabar Opera, then they would come back into each other. The problem is they don't see, they don't hear, they don't feel. So you can, and like he says there, he says, well, everything I told him, they told me back. It's uh, the opposite. I told him to do this, I told him to do that. It wasn't that there was a side that they listened to the Navi, thought about what he said, and they decided not like that. The problem was that they didn't listen. They didn't listen. Because they were closing their eyes from time, like you said last time, or the result wasn't clear enough? Either one. Either I didn't believe the results, or the, all the things, three things you said last time, about why a person... Would uh, be caused by the hero supply. Either the tribe was too strong, or they didn't think, of, didn't really believe it would happen to them, or they, they didn't see it clearly enough that they would see, see it as a deterrent. But, what, but we made a, that's why we understand. See, also sometimes the Rebbe came back to Shino, discouraged. It wasn't that you know they, they gave the message to Klai Yisrael, and Klai Yisrael accepted what they said, but because of the Nechsha. It was the other way around. Klai Yisrael didn't listen. Klai Yisrael didn't listen. The, the, the Nevim spoke, and no one listened to them. And that, that's why Yemiah says to them, that they, they, like the Sushadif and Milchoma, they're so much set on what they're doing, they don't, they don't even notice what, what they're getting themselves into, they don't see it. They're without even seeing it. And this is the, therefore, the first level of the heroes is that a person's willing to consider, what am I doing? Is it right or is it wrong? When a person's dead, so set on something that he, he can't even hear another option, he can't even hear another option. 
So there's, there's no zeros. There's no, there's no side of thinking, maybe I'm doing the wrong thing, maybe it's not the right idea. I'm, I'm convinced this is right. I don't even give myself a chance to think, to doubt myself, to second guess it, maybe. I should rethink it. The first point of zeros has to be that a person's willing to re reevaluate what he's doing. I'll tell you a story I heard from Makarov. He used to work in the Israeli Air Force. And he heard the story from an F-16 fighter pilot, he was Makarov, went about to And uh, I don't know exactly what the occasion was, but this pilot was now about to go to speak. And he said he wants to thank the Makarov, and he wants to be a nice motion. He said when he was a fighter pilot, so basically the F-16 goes fast in the speed of sound. So he said at that speed, the pilot in the cockpit, he can't see outside, everything's blurred. So if he's flying, he's relying completely on his machinery to show him his altitude, his position, everything else, because you can't see out the window. It's way too fast. <coughs> right. So he said, all the F-16s are fitted with two altimeters. An altimeter shows you your height. You're going up, you're going down. Right. Why do you have to have two? He said, because it's happened that a pilot is actually shooting down. But because it's mixed up, he, can't, he thinks he's going up. And, uh, so, and he's going to... Like, and if, even if the ultimate shows him you're losing height, but he's so convinced that he's going up and not down, he thinks maybe the machine broke. And there have been cases of pilots apparently who've crashed like that because they raced the plane into the ground thinking they're going up and actually they're going down. So, so that's why they fit the planes with two of them because not, not, it's unlikely both are going to break. So he said, now what's the pilot going to do? He said, you're in a position where you're in the, where you're in the cockpit, you're going at over a thousand kilometers an hour, and you're convinced that you're about to crash into the ground. Because you're sure you're going down. But your ultimates are both showing you're going up. Or the other way around. You're convinced you're going up, and your ultimates are showing you're going down. So what are you going to do? You're going to say, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. And it must be both machines broke. You're going to say, I must be wrong. And do what you think is suicidal. Because you're convinced you're going the other direction, but the ultimate is showing you dropping the top. I'm going to have to pull back the throttle and turn around. But even though I think that means I'm going to crash. Remember, sometimes the planes are upside down also. It's not like they're flying, like a commercial airline. But it's, uh, so he said, he said, part of the training of a pilot is, as much as you feel you're kidding yourself, you have to listen to the machines. Right? You, you have to watch the meters, not, not your, your feeling of am I going up or down. That's an interesting anecdote about the Air Force. But his point was, he said that the idea of uh, being willing to listen, he was talking about the particular of is sometimes listening to an altimeter. You're convinced what you're doing in life is right. It's right and you go in the right direction. And someone else told you you're going completely wrong, you're about to crash. So sometimes you've got to have enough understanding to say, well, take a step back and do what doesn't make sense to you because you listen to somebody else, even though the necessary at the time you don't think you're doing the right thing. Now, is it always working that? I don't know. But uh, the point I want to bring out of the story is, is this yourself. And that is, if a person's convinced he's right, I'm not going to listen to anyone else. I know, I can feel I'm doing the right thing. That's exactly how Kleinschel felt when the Navim spoke to them. We know we're right. So the ultimate came telling you, you're going down. And you think, no, 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 I'm going up. Right? And if a person is not prepared to, so to speak, reassess what he's decided, so he's going to crash. He's going to crash without even seeing the ground. He's is, he is going too fast. It's a sorcerative of Muhammad in the modern day sense. It's the same thing. The, the idea that a person can say, one second, if I, I'm, I'm convinced this, but why are people saying the opposite? I'm convinced I'm doing the right thing. Why is there so much opposition to what I'm saying? Why, why is everyone saying I'm wrong? 
an ability to say, okay, so maybe I should reassess. Maybe, maybe even though I'm convinced I'm right, maybe I'm not. That's already a certain zahirus. A certain zahirus that I'm prepared to reconsider my opinions. I'm prepared to rethink a point, and uh, if there's opposition, if everyone's saying the opposite, it's attacker. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong and they're right. A person can do that, there's a certain basic zahirus. Because then it gives me the chance to, to, to reevaluate, and if I'm attacker wrong, it gives me the chance to stop myself. Whereas the person who wants to make up their mind, that's it. There's nothing else to talk about. I'm going. Full steam ahead. And nothing is going to change my mind. So it sounds like it's going to crash. That's exactly what happened to the, the, the door of the, of the Khurb. Like Yemiyahu says, for whatever reason they considered themselves right, and they considered Yemiyahu wrong, once they came to that conclusion, there's nothing to listen to. You can chant Nebu for 40 years. You can warn them again and again. There's nothing, there's, there's not, there's not they're going to change. And when that happens, so then they're going to, there's, then they're going to, there's nothing can stop them. If a person decided that once, once the person has his mind, that's it, and, and then there's no, there's no other option possible, there's no other side I'll listen to, I'm going with this with either side. If he's wrong, he's going to crash. The, the, the heroes that uh, he brings from the Navi here is that, they didn't pay attention to what they were doing, and they weren't prepared to listen. They weren't prepared to consider that maybe we're wrong. There's, a, there's nothing to stop them. So to speak, eventually being falling in the Moshe again before falling into the river. There's nothing, there's nothing to hold them back. It's a very it's interesting thing. Yeah. Negate us. Maybe not negate us. Personally, negate to people <coughs> in the firm world. The area of Machlokus. Everyone's convinced that they're fighting the Shem Shemay. All is causing Machlokus, all is causing the Shinhara, all is causing whatever else is causing. No, 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 we're right, they're wrong. Now, even let's say that's true, that's not true. We ever prepared to consider? Maybe not. And maybe even if we are right, maybe the way I'm dealing with it's the wrong way to deal with it. Maybe I'm not achieving anything by fanning the flames of Machlokas. I'm just giving one example which the post can give. But there's a good example of a person who's convinced he's right, and Lavdafi is right. It's a, again, maybe the position's right, but maybe the way he's fighting for it is wrong. But once the person's convinced, this is this is what he's doing. It's out of sight. There's no. They don't take a, People don't take a second side into consideration. Like maybe, maybe, maybe my position is wrong. Maybe I have to rethink it. Or maybe the way I'm acting in this position is wrong. I have to rethink that. I'll share with you something very interesting. Rabbi Shlomo Sarantis says. Rabbi Shlomo Sarantis is talking about the Derech Halimul and Yeshivas, which is interesting because he wasn't a Rosh Yeshiva so much, but he says the importance of dealing with the Chavrosa, that you're both going to fiercely disagree about Pshat and Nesuk. And why is that important? It says, other other. It says, oh, when a person gets into an argument, so then his middle starts to work as well. And it's no longer a completely cold and calculated machlokas in svara or in proof. It's my opinion. I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to show you I'm right. It gets gifted. It gets like vehement in the Yiddish. Is that people fight for their side. What's the point of that? So this is Israel. He says, that's the way that you have to learn. And... Everyone's going to, of course, the person's mirror to Adam Adam Nachzik Bishalai, that the person's going to try and defend or promote his opinion with full force. With full force. But, there's a bonus for the next stage. As the Seder finishes, we go home, and says, now I have to think it through carefully. What did I say? What did my Chavrosa say? And I think that maybe Taka, I'm wrong and he's right. He said, yes, when you're there to defend your side, when you go to fight, Bishas, Muhammad Shaltar, all your strength. But there has to be a stage two. 
And that is now having fought it out and hearing both sides, I have to be willing to reconsider. What did I say? What did he say? Why don't they consider it in stage one? Mishas is not possible. Mishas Mas, I'm focused on my side. I'm going to bring you all my rice. I'm going to bring you all my spars. I'm going to bring you all the problems I find with your thing. So you still have right? to hear the other guy. I have to hear him. But I, here's my chance to, to use all the energy I have, all the ability I have to try and prove one side. And he'll do the opposite. And Macham Rasul, he'll cover his side. So now we've clarified both sides to the best of our ability. You can't stop there. You can't stop there. There has to be a step where now you can step back from it. And there has to be a stage where a person can now think it through again. Having heard both sides, think it through again, and think, maybe Taka. Maybe Taka, his side makes more sense. And there's the training... Okay, second, right? And it's a training in the fact that a person, number one, is willing to hear another side. It's not like this is the only way to talk about it. Other, there is another side as well. I'm willing to consider that. And we see this in the Nakhla the halacha was not just talking about any chavrosa. It's in Hedrin When Hedrin was given a capital case. So on the day that they got the edges, the halacha is, each dine had to think of an opinion. He had to come to the Moscone, what he holds the fact should be. And he had to defend it. A dine is in Hedrin, who held that the person's high of Mesa, wouldn't just say, well, it's like a bad kind of guy, let's kill him. Right? No. You want to prove him right? I have a Diokin at I have a Fursha Gemara, I have a ride from a Tosis, I have a Rambam, whatever it's going to be, bring rice. Each diner in the scenario had to prove his side, and the Dayanimana who held the other way had to prove their side. And they'd argue about it all day. Then stop. Stop. <coughs> we pull off the case, we're going to carry on tomorrow. And says the Gemara, the whole night, each diner would review all the arguments again. What I said, what he said, what this one said, what that one said. And the idea of doing that was now that you can uh, take yourself out of the situation of the argument. Now I can weigh up each side again and think about it. Taka, he had a good point. Taka, I don't have an answer to that right. Whatever it's going to be, rethink it. See all the different sides, think it all through again. And then the next day, all the re- reassembled. And now each one had to say, this is what I said yesterday, and this is what I said today. And it could change. This says this, now change my mind, I'll hold like that. The second day we would pass them. We'd go by the majority of the day, and on day number two. Why? Exactly this reason. Because on day number one, a person thinks, this is what I hold, and I'm going to fight to prove I'm right. And it's only when a person is stuck, stuck. You've, you've, you've had the chance to express your arguments, you've heard what people have replied to you. There has to be now a second chance where a person has to, to weigh up each, you know, each side of the, of the, where I said, what he said, this side, that side. Rethink it through. Rethink it through again. Maybe tuck it, the other side makes more sense. And therefore, the, 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 what, what you really hold, the master, on day number two. Having heard both sides and now being willing to consider that maybe I should change my opinion, then you can come the second day, that's when you pass And then we find some of the Gemara. The Gemara talks about a case of Machrik, Sarayach, and Rishakish, the best major. The Gemara says, the Machras, they came to the best major. And Rabbi Yechonah came first, and he said, I changed my mind, the Halak Rishakish. And Rishakish came to the best major, I changed my mind, the Halak Rabbi Yechonah. So then the next day, they fought the other direction. Each one fought with the other one, fought the day before. But there has to be that possibility too. The idea isn't just to fight the Chavrosa, to fight to prove my point. The idea is to bring to the surface the different ways of understanding. And, and uh, because once I'm now able to consider, maybe in a part, away from the scene, on my own maybe, to consider calmly both sides, that gives an option to try and think maybe another side's right. It's not, just, it's not just a tool in learning, it's a tool in life. Like we said, the, the fact that a person is convinced I'm right is another way. Is, is chisar. When you have that set up, then there's no one to stop a person going with, you know, with his until he crashes. 
there's no, there's no tzad that he'll see any other tzad. Also, I have a story I heard from, I think it was a Ritzel Gazrachi event, the Chaim Shmulevitz, his father, no? I don't know what the pshat is, but definitely with this Rabbi Yisrael, I can explain it. He said his father used to have a chavrusa in Kochim. Um, I think it was from 3 in the afternoon until 11 at night, or 12 at night, I don't remember. He used to live for 10 hours straight. He used to learn with chavrusa. And uh, there was a certain sugya that uh, they had difficulty with. So they suggested one idea, it didn't work for whatever reason. So another idea, they had a problem with it. Another idea, they had a riot against it. So, it's a, I spent the Saturday trying to look, they didn't come to any clear maskana. So, because the Kumar is, we'll come back to it tomorrow night. Okay. Next, night, next day, they reopened the Kumaras. So, Chaim says, and before we go back to this, just sum up what happened yesterday. So, I, he said, well, said, okay, so we're going to read the Kumar inside again. So, Chaim said, okay, so we had this problem. So I said like this, but you asked me like that. And you said like this, and I told you can't because of this reason. And I said like this, and you said like that. And because in a few minutes, he summed up a whole eight-hour Chavrusa shaft. Every single point forward and forwards and backwards. So the Chavrusa was very, as we say in Hebrew, uh, he felt very deflated. Like, how did you remember all of that? This was a whole eight-hour Saturday. Like, you can remember every give and take in the argument. So Sir Chaim told him, well, what the, last night, when you finished reading at 12 o'clock, what did you do? So what did I do? I went to sleep. So Chaim said, what did I do? I sat and thought about it. What did you say? What did I say? What did you say? What did I say? And I went through it all again to make sure to think, were we right or were we wrong? To, to, to replay the whole discussion so that I, we could re, I could reevaluate each side of what was right or was it wrong. So yeah, it's not a, it's not a finish. I remember it. Uh, I went through it all the second time. Okay. It's still not easy to remember eight hours later, but the idea is, again, you didn't say more than that, but I would say the reason is this idea. That's the way a person is meant to remember Chavrusa. You, ha- you discuss with somebody, you have two opinions. Okay, now that's the time when I can sit back and think. Let me reassess. Let me think it through again. Maybe Taki is right. Maybe there is merit to what they say. And maybe Bashas Maisa, I'm trying to promote Maisa, or prove what I'm trying to say, I don't think of it the same way. But maybe afterwards, when a person has the calmness or the solitude to think it's run on, now Taki can take a think. Maybe Taki. This is what Taki is this is what a person who doesn't have a basic zahirus is missing. And that is, zahirus means the ability to, take, to, to to look honestly what I'm doing. To think honestly, reassess. I'm prepared to reassess. Am I talking right or am I wrong? And a person who takes the attitude, no, I'm sure I'm right. I'm going to talk about it. That's the, that's the first step for someone in zahirus. If a person is so convinced they're right, they're not prepared to listen to anybody else, that's a big concern. Normally it's the other way around. If a person is really convinced they're right, they have no problem listening to somebody else. Because I can prove them wrong. But if a person says, no, I'm right, I'm right, I'm not ready to listen to you. That's the direct part coming from the other side. If a person is not really right, and is too scared to hear anybody disagreeing with him because he doesn't know what to say. And that, that, that's the same mistake. Once a person is unwilling to, to makabal, makabal from anybody else, so that's the sure sad sign. That he doesn't have the ability to Takes to stop and weigh up what he's doing. I find sometimes that after, let's say after having a disagreement with Hamusa, if you say it over to somebody else, what your discussion was, so that could accomplish the same. The same thing. Same, doesn't have to hear so both sides. You're now saying both sides over. Right. So yeah, right. It's right. Not to, to do it in your own head. It sounds like he says years ago, and that is, if if you really want to try this, swap sides. 
So look, let's make sure we understand each other. So I'll try to explain what you're saying, you try to explain what I'm saying. And it has the same effect. Because now Barak, you're trying to explain the other person's side, so it starts to make sense to you. What about the other guy is suffering from this? Interesting thing. Oh, again, Navi Yemiel. Navi Yemiel says that Hashem showed him Megillus Eichel. And he wrote it on the parchment. And he said he saw the Megillus Peranus. Yemiel was given the Megillus Peranus, Megillus Eichel. And he says, and I took it from Hashem and I wrote it down. And it was Kedvash Bepi. It was like honey in my mouth. It's the Megillus of the Peranus. Why would you be so happy about it? It was like Dvash, that uh, when he's given the Megillus of Peronus, which is the Megillus Eichel. So the Mishra first used to explain a question. And that is, the Allah is, Ein Rukha Kodesh, sorry, Elimit Tachsimcha. A person, I think, is Rukha Kodesh when he's happy. So how could Yumiya write Eichel with Rukha Kodesh? It's very depressing. Where was the Simcha? So bring this pasuk as the right. The other right, Yumiya was happy to get Megillus Eichel. Why? Why? So it's from Yusuf Gajaki also. Very beautiful point. Yirmiyahu was given Megillus Eicha 11 years before the Khurban. It wasn't after the Khurban. He was given to it before the Khurban. And why was Yirmiyahu happy? Because he thought, maybe now when I read this to Klai Yisrael, they'll do listen to me. The problem was Klai Yisrael weren't listening. And Klai Yisrael talked again and again and again and just didn't listen. So he thought, oh, 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 oh. Hashem is going to do this, going to do this. Oh, listen to the Puranus. And now Klai Yisrael will listen. And therefore, Adarabah, Yirmiyahu got Megillus Eicha in a Ruach of Simcha. He was happy because he thought, maybe now, maybe now, Kaisha will listen. Now he had something to show them concrete that maybe this would get them to change their minds. They would see what was happening to them. And that was Emil's biggest desire. He could see it coming. He could see the Khurban coming. He could see the army of bubble amassing in its way. And Kaisha didn't see it. And he could tell them, I can see, I can see. It's like the, the watchman on the wall saying, I can see the army coming. Everyone's having fun, loving their lives, sitting by the swimming pool. What are you talking about? We can't see any soldiers. I can see. I'm sitting on the wall. I can see them. No one pays any attention. That was Yemiel's position. He thought, oh, maybe now. They see Megiddo's Eichel. This is going to what's going to make them move. Did it help? No, it didn't help. But at least when I, that was what Yemiel wanted. Or something that maybe now, maybe now they'll wake up. Maybe now they'll be prepared to listen. And the sorry is, when the people aren't prepared to listen, there's no one to talk to. And people aren't prepared to t- listen, there's no one to talk to.